Welcome back to another fabulous episode of Cinema de Mori. I am your hostess, Lexi, and with me as always... Justin. Chuck. And we are starting a new month, new theme, and our new theme this month was Justin's theme. And what was our theme, Justin? It is erotic thrillers. And my movie starts the month, so I am starting the hosting, even though this is Justin's month. The film I picked was Perfect Blue... 1997 animated film from Japan. It's not a typical choice, but it's what I went with. Uh, This isn't really my genre, so... (laughs) I mean, you immediately pick something out of it. It's not necessarily my genre either. I think a couple months ago, Criterion Collection, or the Criterion Channel, my bad, the Criterion Channel, the streaming service, had a erotic thrillers theme, and I was just kind of interested in what we would choose and discuss if we put together a similar theme. And I thought it would kind of lead to something interesting, which I'm going to say it has, even though we haven't had all our discussions yet, just the choices alone. I think I understand the theme, and as I was watching my choice, I was asking myself, did I correctly. I still love this movie. First time I saw this, I was working at a Suncoast, and I had a manager who was always given, like, piles of, like, free DVDs and screeners and movies and shit. And she never watched, like, anything. She was just a manager, and it was just her job, so she didn't give a shit about where she worked. She just cared about working. So when she got that shit, she knew I liked stuff, and she'd be like, here, take my swag. She went to a conference out in Vegas, and Perfect Blue and Ghost in the Shell were like two of the movies she got. She's like, here, you can have these. And I'm like, cool. Went home, watched Perfect Blue, and I had never seen anything like it before. Especially being someone who'd grown up watching anime, it was a movie. It wasn't an anime. You know what I mean? Like, it was an animated film. I mean, I know it's a Japanese movie, but this is one of those great examples of when I'm always talking about how. I wish people would utilize animation as a medium instead of treating it as like its own thing because this is a psychological thriller that just happens to be an animated film. No need to hire actors or any of that kind of stuff. There's no need for celebrity power and whatever. And I feel like it lets the film really kind of tell its own story. voice acting, but I mean, I couldn't tell if it was any good because I listen to it in Japanese. But you get what I'm saying. Like, you're not going to this because, like, Keith or Sutherland's in it or, like, a big name's behind it. I mean, it. Keith you know or Sutherland. Like, I know. You know what I'm saying? I just, like, you know Sutherland was in it, so. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. Like, if, if, you're, if you're putting, like, a big name behind it so people will go what to it What kind of anime were you watching before? Because you say this kind of opened your eyes to anime being, like, cinematic and, and having theme, adult themes and stuff. So you kind of led on, like, you haven't seen anything like this before you watch this movie. When you grow up with anime, anime tends to, especially when you're growing up with anime in the United States, you don't have a lot of options of being able to, to deep dig deep from the pool so you get what you're given. You're like, this is nothing like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, this is it. You're given Dragon Ball Z, you're given Sailor Moon, you're given, you know, your standard issue. Speed Racer. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's all your typical kind of giant robots fighting things, your space epic operas, your standard issue fanfare of robots and kids and you know, those kind of, like, things. And, I mean, Ghost in the Shell, even that kind of stuff, you got a lot of cyberpunk, and you've got a lot of, like, steampunk and that kind of stuff, too. So 
fantasy is another one that there's a lot of that kind of stuff as well and even though they do touch on a lot of like 50s and 60s elements in the animation there's always these fantastical elements into it and I mean, the fantastical elements that are introduced in this film is are the not, internet. <laughs> well, it's it's the psychological stuff. I know what you're going to say, but yeah, I do yeah. also like that it's apparently the dawn of the internet, which makes sense for a 1997 animated film that they were probably working on for a few years. This is done by Madhouse, which I've talked about Madhouse before on my other podcast. They're the ones who did Battle Angel Alita, if you're familiar with that one, early on. But Madhouse are one of the biggest animation studios now. They're known for like things like FLCL, things like that. Huge animation studio and some of the best animation out there, like cleanest, tightest animation. And when you look at this, there's no exception to that. I mean, for cell animation, this is so clean and so tight. Really fine details all really come out. So you get lost in it again, like with how finely detailed everything is. There's none of those like scenes where things are kind of like cut corners or things are like, you know, messy or when you watch cartoons and like the opening sequence is really pretty. But then like when you get to the show, there's a lot of those scenes where they just cut corners and the animation like degrades. There's none of that through this. It's all very like clean and smooth. It's a really enjoyable experience from an animation standpoint. But outside of that, um, it's a really interesting film. It's about a pop idol who is big in her career and she's also started doing some acting. And they think that maybe she can be bigger with her career if she starts going into acting instead of focusing on just being a pop star. So her agent is essentially like, we're going to push you into doing full-time acting and we're going to take you away from the pop star stuff. She's about to retire from her group. And as she retires from her group, there is a hyper fan out there who seems to not want this. They have a web page where they kind of pretend to be her and mimic her behaviors and she wasn't really aware of this until she quit the group and then someone basically made her aware of it when she starts pursuing her acting career people start kind of threatening her on set giving her like discouraging letters and sending bombs and <laughs> things like Just that casually throw that in there she's starting to be threatened as she moves away from one career and into another career. As she moves away from that career, the career that she starts pursuing is also more sexual in nature as well. And so she's starting to engage in more gratuitous content, which is something that this person doesn't like as well. And so every time her content gets slightly more gratuitous than this person reacts and starts killing the people that are working with her and so now she's caught up in i mean there's a lot of people that die over on the course of like the creators of this television show they don't stop the television show at all (laughs) not at all (laughs) it's not it's kind of surprising the screenwriter has been murdered i think cast has been murdered managers agents or whatever and they're everyone's getting murdered it does a good job of making you wonder if she could possibly be the killer if it's all in her head if maybe she's doing all of this if there isn't possibly a real person out there doing it if she's not hallucinating the show that she's actually working on herself and sort of manifesting it into a reality if there's not something actually really going on and so there's a lot of that going on she's sort of having a psychological breakdown through the process which is reasonable um 
as she discovers the website, she starts reading the website, which starts making her question if it really is her or not. So she's not sure anymore if it's her making this website or if it's her split personality or any of this kind of stuff. And she starts to imagine her pop idol self when she's out in the world, seeing it out there and viewing. So you're not sure if it's really a figment of her imagination or a real person showing up and that kind of stuff. So, and I think what's nice is like, you ever, you ever heard Mike Judge, I know it's a weird transition, but you ever heard Mike Judge talk about King of the Hill before and how people have asked him like why did he make the show animated instead of live action and he's like do you know what it would have cost to shoot king of the hill live action he's like do you know how much like episodes that show would have cost to shoot he's like we had an entire episode where we drove like to montana and then drove like a semi up a mountain and then like that would have cost a fortune to shoot he's like you can do so much more with animation and still keep things grounded in reality and still kind of what have you. And I was like, I think this is a good example of like a film where the film is essentially grounded in reality, but there it are certain is. things. No, it's it's a psychological thing. But like what I'm saying is the psychological stuff is there. But then when you have those like mental break things, instead of having to spend the budget on like all these like high level effects and stuff, it just allows you to just kind of, you know what I mean? Have the breaks be natural naturally occurring yeah so it never really feels there's a separation from the action and from the reality when she's seeing the pop idol version of herself instead of it feeling disjointed except for when it starts to dance and float away it never really feels disjointed so you really do have a question of if it's really there or if it's not i think that's something that is nice i never re- i never thought it was there but i liked how it starts I didn't off either. pretty grounded and it gets into a place where there's so much pressure and things happening in her life that kind of like push her to be just you know like you said start questioning herself and then reality starts to change over the course of this movie and you can't really trust anything and there's so many times in the movie too where since she's an actress you think something's happening to her and then you know they yell cut and it's and it's actually something that's taking place in the show that she's she's in so yeah they're constantly messing with the audience and playing with the audience sorry this movie has excellent twists like it's got like three solid twists throughout it no problem everything just builds very well uh, there are a lot of plants and payoffs one of my favorite things they had like this rowdy group of people i don't know if i want to call them a gang they pose the problem and there's just like a creepy guy like the creepiest person uh, in the whole movie and he's just like this loner guy that becomes a stalker that he like fucks that guy up and he i guess tapes it inside of an elevator inside of uh the main character mima's elevator and she sees it and's like what the fuck is this and he's like watching her <laughs> always and before the de- elevator door closes, he's just like smirks, like, yep, I got him for you. Kind of makes me think of something like uh, The Fan, if you've ever seen The Fan yeah. with De Niro and Wesley Snipes. Yeah. The plot ends up coming closer to something like Persona and uh, the Bergman movie and, and a little bit like, uh, well, Black Swan st- takes a lot yeah, from this. definitely. I get a lot of David Lynch vibes from this movie, personally. I think, uh, well, David Lynch was a huge fan of uh, Persona, so it makes sense. Like, I always said when I saw this, I was like, I feel like if David Lynch ever animated something, it'd be something like this. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I don't even know what's going on in Japanese television, apparently, where they're, like, doing, like, an explicit 
rape scene in the show i don't is that something <laughs> normal for broadcast television or whatever kind of i mean is this their version of hbo it's kind of like I, I mean you watch we watch a lot of japanese content and they do tend to do fairly explicit rape scenes in their content i don't know about for television necessarily but they do do for films for sure that's like i'm not surprised to see it in this movie i'm surprised that it's happening in the context of a television show that the character's doing. I mean, we, we watched Japanese, uh, what was it, uh, Female Prisoner. That had, like, an incredibly long, explicit rape scene as well. But a movie, I mean, you know. It wasn't right, a show. exactly. Uh, if you're a bad guy in this movie, your eyes are too wide. You're too far apart. Yeah. yeah. That's how you know. I love That's the only <laughs> way you would know he's a bad guy. If somebody's eyes are too far apart, there's something wrong with them, and distance yourself from them. I really loved when they were filming the rape scene and the one actor they're like they're like cut like like pause and the one actor's like leaned over her and he's like i'm so sorry just just i apologize for this and she's like oh no it's it's okay like <laughs> before they like call action again and i'm just like god that must have been like so uncomfortable <laughs> i don't know it kind of brought it down to like you know they're just doing their job and they're sorry that it's right. a weird creepy scene yeah it's a good scene and it, it shows like that like nobody's really here for it kind of thing like it, they're all just like they're just doing that their screenwriter and... <laughs> yeah he got it he's like this is what i've been waiting for <laughs> i like whenever they get the fan mail and they almost give it to that there's one letter that's supposed to be for um mima and <laughs> it explodes and it's just like oh yeah that letter exploded don't worry i'm okay <laughs> The guy's just, like, covered in blood. Like, I'll be fine. Right. <laughs> don't report this to the police or anything. We don't have to go that far. Well, they're all being really creepy. Like, the one Asian is, yeah, you should totally do a rape scene. Yeah, totally. Like, no question about it. He has no problem, like, throwing her, like, to the wolves, essentially. And, like, the other agent's, are you fucking insane? Do you know what this is going to do to our image and her, like, entire, like... I didn't think our agent was that bad i thought the studio was worse the agent was kind of like uh you know i think you should do it and not screw up this opportunity i didn't i didn't take it like he was like it's it's just uh it's what everyone needs to do it's that's the same thing as like vanessa hudgens and selena gomez it's like you have to be in spring breakers you have to be this this will make him this will make him really know you're an adult actress now you're not a you're not a pop star they didn't make her do a rape scene yeah, she though. had to hang out with james like, franco I mean, that's practically the same yeah that's a rape <laughs> scene <laughs> that was a was. that was a by association uh, assault i mean it's sexualizing them for sure well like a, okay so like a pop idol is a sexual object right but it's a sexual object that they market as pure right when they initially like like when we use we'll use britney spears as an example when they first initially marketed britney purity and virginity right so that was how they marketed her so everybody wants her everybody wants to be with her but like i don't it's know also if she because, started like, off as purity nah that's not that you can say what you want but that's exactly how they marketed her innocent schoolgirl shit Hit that's how they market all of time. them what do you think that means when she went doesn't Oops, matter i did it again what did she do again yep. the sexual the what sexual innuendo. I'm a slave for <laughs> you. What's that about? Will you will you let me finish talking, or will you just keep talking? You've been nonstop talking, but yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, finish. The way that they market them is, of course, they market them sexually, but they don't want them to be sex. You know what I mean? Like they don't want them doing porn. They don't want them to literally have sex. They don't want them to have boyfriends. They want them to be single. They want them to be pure and chaste. 
that way they're easy to sell to men and they market them that way that's that's the best way to market them when they get older and they get to that point oh they've had sex now britney spears is oops i did it again that's a different marketing switch it potentially can destroy the career it potentially can go wrong for them it can potentially cripple them it can potentially go a miley cyrus route miley cyrus's career was almost crippled when she went sexual in those ways so in this film when you're taking that object right and you're taking that pure object which is what this person who was obsessed with her is they were obsessed with her in a purity form they didn't want to see her get corrupted by having her do a rape scene the rape scene is now taking that pure object and it's tarnishing it and it's no longer pure and so by taking that purity away from it it's harder to go back you can't go back you can't market it that way again you can never go back right so once you've admitted your sexual admitted that you've come out in that way and once you've shown your tits everybody's seen your tits you can never not show your tits again you can never be that person you can never not do that and so everybody's going to look at you differently everybody's going to market you differently everybody's going to treat you differently especially as a woman because women are only marketed as sexual objects and there's two way to market women as a sexual object you either market them as innocent pure and virginal or you market them as slut. And once they've gone slut, they're too easy and you don't have as much of an easy way to market them. And so society treats them differently, right? And so when this woman's like, don't market her that way, she's gonna have all those societal connotations trapped around those sexual things instead of being pure. That's gonna basically do that to her for the rest of her life. It's up to her to make that choice. That's the thing that the woman's not paying attention to and the, the individual's not paying attention to. It's always up to the woman to make the choice. And this character does make that choice. She's not totally sure if it's what she wants, but she's pretty confident in her choices in this film. Like, she does want what she's doing. But there is a sense of, like, she's also being pushed into it, too. And there's a few characters, too, that kind of, like, are the other side of that where it's the fandom and they don't like the direction that they're starlet is going in so like they you get two different kind of outcomes like the creepy stalker guy who you get from like the beginning makes so much sense like i liked her back when she was like this i'm have my psycho way of fixing things she she thinks that she's going insane uh i think she is going insane because she's seeing a version of herself so i don't think that she's mentally stable like i think that she might be just as fucked up as the other characters but since she's she's still a victim because she's being attacked by them she's our protagonist our hero her buddy it makes a lot of sense though because the homepage that she finds out about that is about her life or her like her journal supposedly the first time that she reads it she's like wow this is really similar to how I was feeling and they got exactly what I did that day. Which, I don't know if she was just fascinated with the internet, but I'd be like, how the fuck do they know what milk I bought, you know? How do they know about my fish food? How do they... <laughs> like, there's somebody fucking watching me because I was completely by myself when I made those purchases. So what the fuck's happening? Yeah, I would have been incredibly creeped out by that website. I don't know But what she I was just like, oh, the yeah, internet. The internet, it's, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that's what they do on here. She was having fun with it until she read further, and then she's like, uh... It's like you could uh, tell how old it is name? when they're like... And she's like, I have to go to H-T-T-P-S. And I'm like, 
They're like, oh, God. <laughs> They're typing out the entire uh, address. Well, let's not even forget that she was using, like, Netscape. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like before, yeah, but they don't even, like, Internet Explorer is not even a thing. It's like, I'm going to have to find you a browser. And it's like, what's that? That's how you... That's how you get onto right. the internet. <laughs> I do like, uh, there's a lot of nice little hints in there that our manager, Ruki, I think is her name, is the antagonist, is the one behind it. She brings up very briefly that she was a pop idol and this is where she's at now in life. And the Asian sort of says something like, you know, how do you feel about like your life changes? Which obviously she's somewhat suppressing it or now projecting it onto somebody else. And there's another thing too where it's like, she, like she's the one that's like, so well versed with the internet no one else really seems to be when she sets up the computer and everything for her and she acts like her her buddy but yeah she's always with her it's like it's obviously has to be somebody that's with you that's taking these photos and knows all these things about you at every given moment and it kind of makes sense too because being a past pop idol she's kind of filling in the blanks because Mima's not saying everything that's on her mind a lot of it's voiceover right. that she's thinking and you know, that's probably why she can nail it. I also love, there's a scene in here. It's a murder, but it's gorgeously done. The murder of the photographer that uh, they her, her former bandmates warned her about that will, like, try to get, he'll try to get you to take off your clothes and stuff like that. And he does. The photos get released. The crazy guy... Mimania, I think is how he says his name. He's uh goes and he's like <laughs> buys all yeah. the magazines to like stop people from seeing it, which doesn't make any, you know, it's not a great it, like it actually encompasses his mental state pretty well because there's no way he's going to get all those magazines in Tokyo from every right. single He's a, he's a smut know, buster though. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a smut buster. He's a he's a <laughs> Like you don't understand what I did. It was it ha involved yeah. your children. <laughs> I tried to explain that buying the butt buzzers and the dildos was good for their kids, and they didn't understand. <laughs> He's talking about racist. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, yeah, it's like it just shows, like, yeah, how like delusionally as he just goes to like the one newsstand that he always goes to and buys all their magazines, like, like they don't have them all over the city and all over the country that they could that they could get those at, but he just bought them from that one place. Yeah, and I kind of like how you kept seeing him, seeing him, seeing him, so it was like half of the movie, halfway through the movie, where I'm like, is he real? Is it something that imagined? Because the movie does do a good job of making you think that the protagonist maybe could possibly be doing these things. Because yeah. she has a dream about murdering the uh, photographer, right. and then the photographer ends up murdered. But that's the scene that I really liked. I, I thought it was There's a great a scene where he just got Open the I door just, and got stabbed uh, yeah. in the eye with like an ice pick. Like yeah, I like the where the pizza guy comes up and and then he's like getting yeah. his money and he just drops the pizza and the guy just goes, "You're not a good pizza guy." And then he just <laughs> he just gets stabbed immediately. And then he reaches for the phone and gets stabbed in the yeah. hand again. Like it's a it is a pretty good <laughs> moment. Still, you know, life goes on in Tokyo. Nothing, yeah, <laughs> nothing changes. Just nothing. This like uh, there might, show. there's a lot. Of, <laughs> a lot of murders are revolving around you. The show that she's working on as well, there's double bind. Character. Well, the character that she's like thinks is killing or what have you in the show also is very similar to the guy who's stalking her who bought all the magazines. So then there's one point where you start wondering if maybe she's imagining the character from the show stalking her and following her around and that she's actually doing the killings and then she's maybe imagining like projecting that character from the show out into reality as she's doing it herself because that's what i thought it was going to i have to be honest when i saw the manager i've seen this movie like 
more than once I, I used to own it and i'm like i still didn't see the twist of the, the manager coming in and being the killer it's all in the thought. eyes yeah oh yeah she does she has little eyes no they're <laughs> like they're far apart both yeah. of the crazy people in this besides the main character i guess because i'm gonna say that she's crazy too their eyes are really far apart they're the only animated characters with far apart eyes There's pro- that's probably like something that feels like uh uh like somewhere in japan that it's probably like some some like old thing of uh be but watch out when you see people with like real far apart eyes like that's a, that's a sign that they're evil or something like that yeah that my that mom always thing. said don't trust people with squinty eyes <laughs> yeah that's always been a thing people with like small eyes or yeah if someone has small eyes yeah. don't trust them beady little eyes no mm. no good because the eyes are the window to the soul right mm-hmm. and these and people those windows are, are way like too Peppa far Pig. apart <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those windows are way too far apart. <laughs> Damn, I'm just I'm digesting the movie a lot. I I there's just a lot of things going on thematically. It's a very dense movie for being an hour and twenty minutes or something like that. It's a it's a relatively short movie, but everything gets packed on it. I think the runtime's good. I don't, it never it never it's never boring. There's never like a slow moment. There's never any kind of like it never drags or anything. It never really feels like it's like doing anything too slow or whatever i feel like the director kind of has like some commentary to that too because the very first scene is the power tron which is the power rangers (laughs) yeah and those kids walk out like oh that sucked and i think (laughs) i think the director was saying well i'm gonna make sure this doesn't bore you and he talks about boredom too because he has some kind of that commentary from the you know the regular people out in society where they were at the bookstore i think i think it was just like a manga store or something like that they're like nothing's going on on that show that show's so boring and then they start doing like the the rape scene or whatever and that becomes they're like the numbers went way up on that show it's starting to become like super popular again. Obviously, it boosts her to stardom because she does get pretty well recognized by the end of the movie. Some of those Japanese groups—they have such weird names. Cham. <laughs> Their pop group is called Cham, all capital <laughs> letters. And like, that's not even that weird. That's a pretty common like Japanese music, like musical group name. Because there's like a group that I listen to called Glay, G-L-A-Y. It's all capital letters like that. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. I'm like, whatever. Like, that's just that they do that a lot. They just take like an English lettering and just, it's not even a word that means anything. They just like stick together and it's like, cham! You're like, cool. <laughs> the the disassociation too with the main character works pretty well. I like that the she's got fish and that's the only thing that she has to take care of in this world early on she's like oh, i'm sorry guys i forgot to feed you yesterday and then there starts to be scenes where like she shows up and they're all dead so you think like has she just been out of it killing people and she doesn't remember and it's like days have went by and that's why she's not fed these fish uh she takes down the poster for the band looks like she 1000 percent gets rid of it but maybe i guess it's rookie putting it back i have no idea it, it ends up back on her wall which i feel like it's her just messing with her but when you get to the big well you kind of have like a fake climax with the um me mania guy the stalker and uh i actually really do like that scene where he just is the perfect embodiment of the crazy fan where he he takes it too far like this person belongs to him he's in the only way to fix well he's brainwashed to think that she's like a duplicate or something because 
like you said, she's supposed to be pure, so she's an imposter. So he has some crazy-ass shit going on in his head where he thinks that she's an imposter. But he's still going to rape her or whatever. Lexi, by the way, there's a lot of rape in this for you not liking things with <laughs> with that subject matter. There's a lot of rape in this. I do love the the shots looking like the scene from earlier. It happens in the scene, same place where she's like hanging off the stage and you know some grip or something just left their, their construction person i guess just left their toll belt open so she's able to get that hammer fucking get his ass i don't know i just like the i think the violence was beautifully animated and then like the oh, real yeah. the real climax i think is great too like i like uh when she comes face to face with her pop idol version of herself and it's weird to me that she doesn't realize who it is until she sees her in the reflection you know something's not right with the mental state of her main character either but uh i do love how you see the villain in the manager you see her in the reflection or the few moments where she's getting strangled how she kind of seems to like morph back into her regular self when she's chasing her across the rooftops at like the end there yeah how the hell is she like floating around and like jumping after her because i'm like the thing is is she's not like i get that she's not i get that she's not really like i I know that that's her and like form but i'm like this bitch is still chucking after her like full speed because i'm like form or not the form when it gets to her is physically her like fucking her up i mean she was a little husky but she was apparently very athletic because that bitch was trucking after her across those rooftops and i was like I, i'm like I, dude she got stabbed she was doing pretty good herself I was like, I was i'd have been like a little bitch about it if i got stabbed that would have been like ah oh, fuck i'd have like never made it off the rooftop but i do like when she's running through all the those shops at night and you just get the reflection of of the look seemingly out of breath rookie uh just <laughs> chasing her with that ice pick i think it's a nice yeah there's a nice yeah it's a nice pick i I just like how it's just like she's got that floaty nature so you just have like a little bit of like it's really grounded trust us but this is literally how our protagonist is seeing all this go down you do it does get a little bit interesting too where they get the 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 bloody impaled on the window and uh, i like the car the truck that couldn't see her in Tokyo, I'm I'm sure it would have been well lit and it was a straight road, but that fucker was like, ah, I'll just run over anybody. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, but I do like the I'm not a bad person or why why do you think that she saves why does Mima save uh Ruki at the end, who's put her through all much through all through all this shit and literally has tried to kill her by hiring basically manipulating a person to kill her and just taking it upon herself to kill her i just think that she just doesn't want any more people to die there's already been too much there doesn't need to be more would you have been able to do that or would you have been like mm, to let her get hit i would probably save them too but i've talked about this before there's just something in me that doesn't let me not do things like that what about you chuck would you have saved your evil dop- doppelganger no chuck would have been See, like, i wish oh, I, no. I wish i could be like oh, chuck. i'm like i wouldn't want to help them I'm just like, I know I would. Not jumping in front, and what if I die? It has an extremely happy ending, because it almost looks like she is going to die. Like, she's going to save this person that's been trying to kill her, and she's going to die. And, you know, that would maybe be an interesting aftermath. You know, they cut to the future. Uh, I don't know how long 
how much time has went by, a couple months, I guess, because Mima's hair is longer. They talk like she, how her progress has been, and they're like, she reverts back to you every once in a while. She's still not perfect. Still happens. <laughs> yeah, it still happens. <laughs> every once in a while. It looked like it was currently happening, uh, or uh, maybe it was just for the audience, but where she's looking in the mirror or whatever, and she's seeing herself. And then we're supposed to think that Mima has become successful. Because people are realizing that she's inside the facility and they're all kind of like, oh, she's here. Yeah, they think it's a they're... double, but they recognize her. But yeah. do they or is she just overhearing it? I don't know. I think she's insane. Right. But they never really say kind of what she has because uh, we got that multiple personality disorder for like the villain, the DID. But they never diagnose the main character with anything. Like there's no way that she just... I wouldn't think that she would just get over it. I feel like she'd have some sort of PTSD or some major issues. The last, like, three minutes of this movie are pretty, like, what the fuck? Like, when she gets in the car and it's, like, typical, like, 90s anime ending and she, like, smiles and looks in the mirror and it's like... Yeah, it's a real happy poppy music. I was like, okay, like... Her song is pretty good, too. 90s like anime ending here like this was not like this was so good and then it's like what is that okay but, her, like... her cheesy song I think works so well with the psychotic stalker guy because the right. lyrics of the song were just like if you're aggressive you'll get me and I'm like what kind of lyrics are those <laughs> right <laughs> but hey it worked I mean he thought he was like yeah also too whenever he was being um, brainwashed by she looked like Mima too so it's like I don't know if necessarily he is seeing her that way or maybe I mean I'm not even sure about the protagonist what the protagonist is seeing or if it's just made for the audience to feel insane you know what I mean like because they just let the yeah. protagonist off and I don't I don't know why this guy would this guy would totally be able to see that it was this you know that old lady <laughs> That was right. <laughs> talking to him. Although you know what? She no, I think I. She wouldn't. He never saw her. Yeah, I'm misremembering it. He he was reading an email, and it was his imagination of her yeah. like being there. So this is not your first time seeing this, right, Justin? No, I watched it last year for the first time. Because I, I made you I made you buy this, didn't I? You had nothing to do with this movie. Surprisingly, uh, I don't think you mentioned it at all. I saw it online for... Uh, I think they were comparing the shots to something. Oh. Maybe I thought I was. told you to buy this a long time ago. Because no. I remember when I was telling you to buy animation. Like, this was one of the movies I was, like, going on about. No, I, I don't even know if you mentioned it before. But when I told you about it, you got really excited. And I had seen... I'd also bought Millennium Actress. I thought that was good, not as good as this one. And I didn't see the other ones. I still never saw Tokyo Godfathers or Paprika. Oh, I was going to ask you if you've ever seen Paprika, because I was going to say, uh, if you like this, you'll love Paprika. I think I remember when that came out and for some reason wasn't thinking it was Japanese, but was thinking it was like Iranian or something. <laughs> Nolan totally stole... Um what is it inception from paprika like a hundred percent he got mad this the director of this got mad at aronofsky's black swan being like you copied me you ripped me off and it's sad to know too he's he passed away from pancreatic cancer i was like what is he uh, working on I didn't now know that. nothing that's a shame this was a really he, good movie. it said he died at 46 and i was like what the fuck happened to you know what i mean oh what a sin this was a brilliant film i think i think this is one of the most like brilliant japanese films like not just like animation or whatever like it's a great movie 
I'm kind of interested in how it doesn't. It's not as realistic looking as like some of the current anime that's been coming out, but like it's really close to it. its details are really good to the point that I'm thinking like what kind of photography or what kind of shows and stuff was he watching to be able to to get the eye so well like he got the set down and he got the cameras down and yeah when you're discussing cell animation like straight straight cell animation perfect blue and akira two of like the greatest animated films ever made like hands down but it's just like interesting animation. to me because of like the time too, the the reference and yeah, uh, the, the I'm not gonna uh, like they're e- it's easier to produce a show or a movie now because of technology. But it also right. kind of shows, you know what I mean? Like Miyazaki's last film apparently that's done now. The reason that it's taken like five or six years for him to make is because it was apparently all hand drawn. I think it's supposed to come out this year in Japan. I'm sure it'll come out here too, but he doesn't want to do any advertising for it, like no trailers or anything. Huh. He's office rocker. <laughs> he doesn't need to sell. He can just sell on his merits. He knows that. I know, especially over there, like Studio Ghibli and stuff like that. It's such a big name. He's such a big name that yeah, what. I think that's kind of what Christopher Nolan needs to start doing. Or, like, you know, the big-name directors have to be like, I have a new movie coming out. I'm not showing you shit. I'm not showing you Joseph Gordon-Levitt on the wall. I'm not showing <laughs> right. you the explosion of the atom bomb. You just gotta guess. I kind of almost would rather have that for a better viewing experience in a lot of ways. I'd rather have that, you know, completely un- untouched experience. Um... I listened to podcasts. I think it was the, the podcast I heard it on. P.S. I Love You, where they talked about PlayStation video games and stuff like that. And they brought up a really good point with, like, technology now and everything being digital. They said with a big title like Grand Theft Auto, like Grand Theft Auto 6, they could literally throw it up on Monday Night Football with a title card that says, you know, GTA out 6 com- coming out. Uh, yeah. yeah, out now. And That's all they'd have to say. I'd th- buy it in two seconds. And it would be one of the more interesting experiences if nothing had leaked. Like, you don't know what time you're going in. You have no idea right. what you're getting into with that game. And I, I think that would be pretty exciting for a, a trailer, too. Yeah. But if I your name sells it, if you can really sell it with Christopher Nolan or whatever, then I think it'd be worth a shot. I, You know, I've always said one of the best, like, film trailers ever was the trailer for Leatherface because the movie's fucking awful. It's the best trailer in the world, though. It doesn't That's tell you usually a goddamn how a lot thing of... about the movie. <laughs> yeah. But have you ever seen that trailer with the lady in the lake and like the chainsaw coming out of the water? And I was like, this is the greatest trailer ever. I cannot <laughs> wait to see this yeah. movie. And then you see the movie and you're like, they didn't tell me anything about the movie. And I'm like, and it's a goddamn good thing because that movie was terrible. But like, yeah, man, that's a great trailer. It. it falls into the back of your mind of, of the trailer after you've seen the movie. Right, but I love when the trailers are just totally false too. Like I, I still think about the Predators trailer a lot, <laughs> where yeah. they have all those spots, like all the. Uh, there's gonna be a thousand guns. Predators. Yeah, there's, there's a thousand three. Predators on Adrian Brody, and like, yeah, it doesn't even go down like that in the fucking no. movie at all. There's only one light on him. Does this movie fall under your theme? I think it does. But it's mostly because of, like, I would say the photo shoot scene. My theory on it is is that it's about a sexual object that becomes a different kind of sexual object. And that it's about an obsessive fan who's watching 
his sexual object get turned into a different kind of sexual object and therefore they are having a issue you know what i'm saying i don't think that it always has to be tied into like some sort of seduction or maybe like some sort of seduction of the audience and i i think this movie has it maybe so if it didn't even have that scene but it's just creepier to be like hell yeah it was because i think if it was just the rape scene maybe but then the rape scene combined with like the porno photo shoot after and the fact that there's so much of more of a movement of her moving into being one kind of sexual object to a different kind of sexual object yeah it's definitely like i think it's riding a line like when i thought about it i was like i don't know if it's as like to the point of what your subject is i think it was definitely like i definitely went outside of it a little bit but i don't think it wasn't if that makes sense I am wasn't very strict on it, uh, except for like I might bring up like how you would like if I couldn't see it, what where you would think you would define it in that sort of way. Because I'd say the typical plot for something that's more of like an erotic thriller is that you know somebody goes out and they have some sort of affair or something like that, and then they start getting blackmailed by somebody or. They're involved in some sort of murder, but they can't say anything because of where they were at. So they're not necessarily trying to cover up a murder. They're trying to not get themselves implicated in it in any way when they weren't supposed to be there. That's just a sample of what this type of thing can be. It could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I would you know call this psychological thriller probably first and foremost, but I think right. that it fits with erotic thriller I, I i i give it the approval i think it's there okay yay we'll have to see about chuck's pick though <laughs> but there is a scene too so i think mean, i don't know uh did, did, this, you, did this? you like this chuck yeah i liked it it was good i'd actually say all all three movies are probably on like my high end of of i, I love these movies yeah this is definitely like one of my all-time favorite films i was really excited to kind of have an opportunity for it so when you were like you threw this at me i was like let me see if i can curveball my way and this one in there kind of thing because i was like it's animation and a movie i like (laughs) do you want to take a shot at trying to explain the title perfect blue i actually don't understand it so if you can explain it i would like that so it's another one of those things where there's no exact idea of what it is but the other day you're talking to me about color theory and that's actually something really involved with this movie which in japan the color that's most associated with purity is blue here it would be probably white but i thought you knew that because you brought up you brought up purity you're like i love color theory and i'm like okay no i didn't know that one no that's actually really interesting so like the perfect perfect purity is like perfect like idol status i guess okay no that makes perfect sense now okay that's a really good title then no it's cool Uh, the use of color in this movie is gorgeous but it's also like it's animated so i think it's just like that rich anime color so i I thought that maybe that's i didn't want to go into like this movie has good color because it's an animated movie but it's beautiful i mean and my color just gorgeous like what color i mean the this movie has a lot of oranges and a lot of reds and it uses them really nicely and then of course it has a lot of blues yeah let's see this movie perfect blue and a few months ago she picked um is it color me red yeah color me blood red yeah color me blood red (laughs) getting all the colors color yeah you screwed up you should have like well actually you can still do like 
the purple rose of Cairo or the color purple. Uh, the color purple. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. What was the uh, white chicks? You could do that. <laughs> well, I, I am curious yellow. There's that one. <laughs> she wore yellow ribbon. Yeah. You do have the opportunity to get some more color in there before the year is over. Oh my god! I'm gonna pick a theme. I'm gonna be like, uh, "Color just has to be colors. in the title." You're gonna be like, "Fuck! I used them. I used all my colors." <laughs> yeah, and Chuck's pick next week. Chuck, what's your pick? Gone Girl. Uh, I love Gone Girl. Yeah. I think the book's great and the movie's great, and it's something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. So, it's another. I've never seen it. I hope you enjoy it. I, I actually, and I kind of hope you don't know anything about it because it really makes the movie yeah. a lot better. Isn't this Ben Affleck? Ben you know Affleck, too much yeah. already. Yeah, that's too much. Okay. <laughs> I just heard something the other day that uh, the front runner for this movie was John Hamm, but he couldn't get out of shooting Mad Men. So I love Ben John Affleck. Hamm. I think Ben Affleck is better. Really like, is. Thinking about it, I don't know that I think Ben Affleck's better than John Hamm for this role at least. I love Ben Affleck. I think people are way too hard on Ben Affleck. I, I think he's quite. Everybody's great in this movie. Be. I don't think I don't well, think anyone's saw, bad like, in Jersey this. Jersey Girl and. Geely and didn't he win? Didn't Affleck direct this? No. Didn't he win awards? No, for this? David it's, Fincher. It's Fincher. Oh, oh, is this Fincher? Oh, I didn't know. Oh, now I'm excited. I didn't know it's Fincher. Probably my second favorite Fincher I movie. I think. I love Fincher. I was talking about Fincher the other day. I was talking yeah, about Alien Three. <laughs> I like Alien Three. Like even the bad Fincher movies. If you want to, like the bottom tier Fincher movies are good. I said the other day. I said if I could ever meet David Fincher, I would say David Fincher. I think you need to stop being so hard on yourself about Alien 3. Uh, because it's a good he movie. He would kill you. He's like, <laughs> the, like he's shot um, Mindhunter here, and he is like extremely difficult person to talk to. Like, he'd fire you. Like, he fired everybody from Mindhunter twice. Um, uh, my one friend, he worked on Mank, and he's working on his new one that's coming out with Fastbender called The Killer. Which sounds great, actually. I'm really excited to see that movie. I love Alien 3. He needs to not be shitty about it. Like, genuinely. Well, think about Alien 3. His movie isn't necessarily bad as much uh, as what happens between the two movies. So if we ever talk about the Alien series, which I'm sure we will, it's like, you get this ending of like, yeah, what's next for these characters? And they're like, ah, they're fucking dead. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I was like, man, I was a kid. I was like, this is exactly how I want this. And That's also like, good no. in franchises, too, when you have the character that, like, they get the girl that they 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 wanted the whole movie, and then the sequel comes out, and they're not with them anymore. <laughs> like, it doesn't need, like, right. that. they couldn't get that person back, so they're just like... Yeah, it's like it Transformers 3. It's like, where the fuck did Megan Fox go? I'm like, Jesus Christ, we just spent two movies finally building these people's relationships. Yeah, she back to the point that we Michael Bay to. or some shit. Yeah. And then she finally got to come back for the Turtles movies. And he fucked her career all up. I love Megan Fox. She doesn't he fucked up Shia LaBeouf, too. Like, Shia LaBeouf doesn't want anything to do with anything. I think Shia LaBeouf would have fucked Shia LaBeouf. He inadvertently fucked eventually. everything. He fucked the Indiana Jones series. Michael Bay has his band in everything. He's ruining actors left and right. But, uh, yeah, Erotic Thrillers, we're back next week with Gone Girl. Nice. See you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We are Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. 
It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.